0: Praise the Lord. I hope everyone had a blessed week. You are listening to Revelation Bible Study from The Last Day's Ministry by WGM Church. Before we continue with today's study, let us begin with the words from Psalm 91. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God and Him will I trust. I hope that you will receive this blessing as you continue to remember that there are blessings in those who keep the words of prophecy that we have heard, we have read, and that are written. Last time we studied studied about the church in Ephesus, it is important to know that the church in Ephesus did a lot of work, but in in the end, they abandoned their first love. If there is anything that makes me happier other than the fact that I have been saved, that's a sign that we are not remembering and that we are losing our first love. If we let that go, we will lose our joy in our heart and the heart will become hardened. Therefore, remembering the message of the Lord when we do God's work, not because of my zeal, but we do it with thanksgiving because of the joy of my salvation. When the work is done in love that ignites brotherly love, everything will be rejoicing in the Lord. In particular, this Ephesian church um, was rebuked. But the Lord said in Revelation 2.6, But this thou hast that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. To add, to add a little more, Nicolaitans act in the uh, in which the clergy and the laity are strictly separated. And the clergy dominated the laity. This is what God hates. In fact, we are all brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, and only our Lord should be exalted. However, the ministers of the office bearers were given the privilege of witnessing uh, witnessing the word from the pulpit. That's a spiritual authority. You shouldn't focus on anything other than that. We must testify only to the word of the Lord with fear. This Ephesian church was praised for hating the actions of the Nicolaitans. The Bible mentions overcomers. In fact, the Bible says that faith overcomes the world. The Apostle John testified that in this day and age, those who believe in and receive Jesus Christ and are saved are those who overcome the world. Those who believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, those who believe in how he will be glorified and will restore all things, then there will be Eternal blessings, no matter what the world may bring, they will not be discouraged. This is the power of faith. The Holy Spirit said through the Apostle John that it is not believing vaguely, but a faith rooted deep into the Word, and that faith is power. Today, we will continue to look at what kind of church in Smyrna is through the letter sent to the church starting from chapter 2, verse 8. Once again, the seven churches are historical churches, churches, but they contain the model of all the churches in the present end times. This is also a message unto all the churches. It tells us to find out the wrongdoings, to find out what has been praised, and to be prepared to know ourselves to be truly pleasing to the Lord when we stand before Him. I hope this will be a blessing uh, when you read chapter 2, verse 8 through 11 today. Revelation 2, verse 8 through 11. And unto the angel of the church in Smyrna write, These things saith the first and the last, which was dead and is alive. I know thy works, and tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich, and I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. Uh, Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer, behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that ye may be tried, and ye shall have tribulation um, ten days. Be thou faithful unto death and I will give thee a crown of life. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. He that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. The Church of Smyrna is a type of church that historically existed from 200 AD until the Council of Nicaea in 325 AD. This church was under persecution Smyrna means myrrh. The Lord received myrrh during his persecutions. It is bitterness, it is pain and sufferings. Officially and historically, the church has been persecuted ten times. Thousands of saints were killed during this persecution. The more saints were killed, the more saints increased and multiplied. In the Book of Martyrs by John Fox, you can see in great detail during the medieval times how many Christians uh, the Roman Church killed, according to the Bible, and how they were killed, and even contains pictures, uh, pictured scenes of their martyrdom. If you are a Christian, I personally recommend that you read this book. We have to realize the identity of the Roman church of the past this is the church that commanded and martyred they were a, they are a rich in the eyes of god the church of smyrna they are only the world only sees their deeds tribulations and poverty but on the contrary the lord considered them to be rich we should be rich in the sight of the lord as well not because of the perishable and carnal riches of the world but the pure faith toward the Lord, even though there is nothing, and faith that is persecuted because of the Lord. The Lord said, Rejoice and leap for joy. When you are persecuted for my name, your reward is great in heaven. Those who see the reward in heaven and leap for joy are truly the children of God. In these last days, a person will appear um to say carnal wealth is gain and material abundance is godliness that is not godliness those who truly obey and preach the word of god those who give up worldly materials and devote themselves to preaching the word of god are truly wealthy in verse 9 we see the blasphemy of those who claim to be jews what is a self-proclaimed jew They are literally non-Jews who lie proclaiming that they are Jew. It is the synagogue of Satan. In the past 100 years, many self-proclaimed Jewish doctrines have emerged. A typical example is the Roman Catholic Church. They claim that the Apostle Peter was the first Pope. The Jehovah's Witness proclaim they are the 144,000, while some others teach the Jewish law must be um, obeyed. These are just the few among the many. Christians can never be Jews. What did the Apostle Paul say in Romans 1.16? For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. 1 Corinthians 10.32 says there are three groups in this world. There are Jews and Gentiles and the Church of God. Physically, there are Caucasians, Blacks, and Asians, but spiritually Jews and Gentiles and the Church of God, which is the gathering of believers who have received Jesus Christ and have, re- have been regenerated by the Holy Spirit. Christians are spiritual Jews Christians can never be Jews physically the Jew according to the flesh are the children of Abraham Isaac and Jacob the people of Israel these Jews killed the Messiah and were taken captive to Babylon in the old days in 70 AD Jerusalem was devastated by the Roman general Titus and the inhabitants were scattered all over the world Thus, God completely had forsaken them from the time of their dispersion and the covenant set with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob has come to an end. That is why all covenants have been transferred to the church. This doctrine is the doctrine of Satan. It is incorrect. And this is the doctrine of the self-proclaimed Jews. With such doctrines and ideologies started to rise because... Israel is completely cut off from God. It is not sin to persecute and kill the Jews. Due to such ideologies, Hitler did not have any remorse for murdering Jews with the blessings of Roman Catholic Church during World War II. The same goes for the Crusades. That's why we are able to see through God's word that God never abandoned the Jews. When the Lord comes to this earth in the future, the Jews will repent and be saved as a whole nation. Zechariah chapter 12, 13, and 14 clearly show it, and in many other books of the Bible, the Prophets, Psalms, and the five books of Moses. That is why we should never think that the Jews were completely forsaken, but we should know clearly that during their times of wickedness, the Gentiles had the opportunity to be saved and become children of God for the past 2,000 years, and the Jews were never completely abandoned. So, the Lord said in chapter 2, Revelation 2, verse 10, Be faithful unto death, then I will give you the crown of life. This is not about eternal life. Eternal life is given if anyone accepts Jesus Christ as Savior repents of their sins, confess that they are sinners, and believes in Jesus Christ. But what is the difference between a crown and eternal life? It is clearly stated that there are people who received eternal life but do not receive the crown at the judgment seat of Christ. The judgment seat of Christ is where Christians are judged for their deeds. When the Lord comes into the air, The raptured saints go up to heaven to be judged and rewarded for what they have done at the judgment seat of Christ during the seven-year tribulation, which is happening on this earth. It is the judgment seat of Christ that believers receives, rebukes, and rewards accordingly. Unbelievers will be judged at the end of the millennial kingdom at the great white throne judgment. Uh, judgment of God, by falling into the lake of fire. That is why Christians are judged. 2 Corinthians um, 5, 8-10 through 10 clear, clearly says, We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body, and to be present with the Lord. Wherefore we labor, that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of Him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. So therefore, the judgment seat of Christ is where Christians are judged according to what they have done. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 says the foundation is Jesus Christ. And houses are built upon it, some with gold, silver, uh, and precious stones, and others with straw, grass, or stubbles. When you are judged with fire, everything burns up. There will be no crown, no rewards. Those who have done God's work um, do not burn up. All those who have done carnal works are burned up. That's why we need to know the difference. There are five crowns. If we take a quick glance at them, the first in James one twelve, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Uh, then in 1 Peter 5.4, the crown of glory, it is the crown given Uh, to the shepherds who feed the Lord's flock well and are truly exemplary. Then in 1 Thessalonians 2, 19 and 20, there is a crown of rejoicing. Apostle Paul said, For ye are our glory and joy. Crown of rejoicing is given to those who have led many to Jesus Christ. Next up, 1 Corinthians 9.25, there is an incorruptible crown. This crown is given to those who are not self-indulgent, always watchful, praying, and self-controlled. And then finally in 2 Timothy four eight, there is the crown of righteousness, which is given to all who earnestly long for the coming of the Lord. What is a crown? It's a headpiece worn by the king. Many people were martyred at the persecuted church of Smyrna. At the end of this period, Emperor Constantine the Great of Rome realized the only way to maintain the Eastern and Western empires was to embrace Christians and pretend that he was Christian. He proclaimed to have seen a vision in his dream by mixing Babylonian religion with Christianity as part of the Roman Empire. Thus the Church of Rome began, and this began historically at the Council of Nicaea in 325 AD. You need to know this as well. Revelation 2.11 He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. He that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. We Christians have already overcome. Those who believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, those who believe that they will go to heaven, even if they die, will overcome the world. Because the world is temporal, even if the Antichrist comes and reigns, he will eventually be thrown into the lake of fire by the Lord. And everything, including lust of this world, will pass away. Believers can overcome anything in this world. Even though they were torn to pieces, um, to death by lions, the martyrs of the old times died rejoicing. They died while singing hymns. People like Ignatius um, told the lion to eat his head first because it would take too long to meet the Lord if he was eaten starting from his feet. Why is that? This is evidence of true faith. Those who believe they will live even if they die this moment when they and when they believe while living and living in Christ will never die are those who overcome the world what is the second death it is in revelation 20 verse 14 and 15 and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire this is the second death And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Those who die without believing in Jesus Christ now go to hell. Hell is in the fire of the earth. Later when the millennium kingdom ends and the great white throne judgment of God comes to an end, the entire hell itself will fall into the lake of fire. Satan will also fall into the lake of fire. The false prophet and antichrist, the beast, is there already. We need to know that the day of Trinity of the devil, the antichrist, and the false prophet will all fall into the lake of fire. Is approaching before our eyes. Those who believe in Jesus Christ will live even if they die, and those who believe while living will never die. The second death is what we can overcome. This is overcoming the world. Overcomer is not who enjoys glorifying himself because of the abundance of materials, but someone who has faith. May these blessings be with you. From Revelation 2.12 onward is, is a letter to the church of Pergamos, and to the angel of the church in Pergamus write, These things saith he which hath the sharp sword with two edges. I know thy works, and where thou dwellest, even where Satan's seat is. And thou holdest fast my name, and hast not denied my faith, even in those days wherein Antipas was my faithful martyr, who was slain among you, where Satan dwelleth. But I, but I have a few things against thee, because thou, hast, um, because thou hast there them that hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things sacrificed unto idols, and to commit fornication. So hast thou also them that hold the doctrine of Nicolaitans, which thing I hate, repent, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the hidden manna, and will give him a white stone, and in the stone a new name written, which no man knoweth saving he that receiveth it. The angel writing to the church of Pergamos had a sharp double-edged sword. Our Lord, who is writing unto the messenger of the church of Pergamos, stands with the sharp double-edged sword. As we talked about last time, one edge of the sword is for judgment and other for grace. He accuses the sinners. You are a sinner and you must go to hell. You are cursed. That's one edge of the sword. Those who hear these words and repent and come to the Lord will receive the blessing, comfort, and healing from the other edge of the sword. That is, God has two edges while Satan only has one. Satan's sword steals, kills, and destroys. But the sword of the Lord contains edge of judgment, but also an edge of grace and healing. The definition Pergamus is many marriages. In other words, it's a church that has separated from God and united with the world. This is the Dark Ages, the medieval times, between 325 and 500 AD, after the Council of Nicaea. With the rise of the Roman Catholic Church comes a Dark Age. You are all aware, well aware of this. It is the church that married the world after the Council of Nicaea. It is the church mixed with Babylon, uh, Babylonian Empire. Verse 12 says there is a sharp sword with two edges. This is the message of judgment. Verse 13 says they live where Satan dwells. Of historical interest, the various Babylonian religious practices of the faded Babylonian mystical priesthood were transferred from Babylon to Pergamus in 133 B.C. This Babylonian priesthood uh, moved into the Roman church in 313 A.D. In other words, Roman religion was a mixture of Babylonian paganism with Christianity. We should know that the Council of Nicaea, when Constantine united the church with the world and created a church state, he took on the mysterious Babylonian religion of the Old Testament. Let's turn to verse 14. The main rebuke of this church is the doctrine of Balaam. Balaam said to curse the nation of Israel, following Balak's instructions. We see Balaam take the goods and we see him praying. But God turned those curses into blessings. This is found in Numbers 25, verse 1-8. through 8. Moving forth in Revelations, verse 15, Now we see them keeping the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. The doctrine of Nicolaitans di- distinguishes between the clergy and the laity, where the clergy dominates over the laity dressed in fancy robes, making them look very divine standing behind the pulpit. But the Lord said, We are all brothers and sisters in Christ. The Holy Spirit has spoken. Brothers and sisters are all equal. However, spiritual authority was given to pastors, other ministers, or missionaries to testify um, of God's word. A message to repent appears in verses 16 and 17. It is the doctrine of Jesus Christ who will not return to this earth. That's post-millennialism and amillennialism. Roman Emperor Constantine consolidated his empire along with the church by uniting the pagans and Christianity. No matter how many Christians he killed, he witnessed their growing revival, so he eventually became a self-proclaimed Christian to unite, to unify Christianity with Babylonian paganism, thus creating the Roman Catholic Church. 2 Peter 3, verse 3 and 4, Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts, and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. This is proof that the doctrine of Jesus Christ not coming to this earth or he will not reign for a thousand years after he comes to the earth, existed since then. In fact, many Christian feasts originated from Babylon. We need to know them as a reference. Christmas, December 25th, can also be used as a date to testify of Jesus Christ on that day. But it is important to know that it is a day set by Babylonian religion as a day to worship the sun god. They set the sun's day as the first day of the week. However, Christians gather on Sunday to commemorate the resurrection on the first day after the Sabbath. However, we do know that it is not biblical to institute this day, but we should use the birth of Christ to preach the gospel. So from the time of the Pergamus Church, the doctrine of the cult of the Virgin Mary began, the doctrine of purgatory, and doctrine of the great curse where salvation is not only by faith but also by works. And the Apocry- Apocrypha was included in the Bible of the Roman Catholic Church. Not only that, as the times got darker, the more passionate the evangelists preached the gospel. People like Chrysostom uh, preached the gospel of to be born again by preaching hellfire, curses, and regeneration. He was imprisoned and exiled and spent the rest of his life in the Black Sea because he committed iniquity by preaching the gospel that you must be born again, otherwise, If you do not believe in Jesus Christ, you will go to hell with curses. There he translated the standard Greek text into Russian language. As the Apostle Paul testified, God made this the evidence as he said that the body is bound, but the word is not bound. John of Antioch in uh, 441 AD was an example of an evangelist during this dark age. In 389 A.D. St. Patrick of Ireland, you've all heard of St. Patrick's Day, he too preached hellfire, curses, rebirth, and premillennialism. When he went into the Irish forest and beat the drums to gather the natives, he preached, you must be born again, you must be born again to enter the kingdom of God. He preached the gospel loud and clear like this. Today, We are living in a time when it is difficult to hear the messages of hellfire, curses, regeneration, and the Lord's millennial kingdom like St. Patrick of Ireland. We've got to tell the people that they will end up in hell if they don't believe in Jesus Christ. This is the power of the gospel. Satan deceives the churches. Keep it inside the church. You can worship. Do all sorts of little programs and socialize as much as you want, but you must never go outside and preach the gospel. This church is a rescue ship, a church that shines light. The church should not only worship and have fellowship inside, we must go out and become a living church that bears witness to the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Lord will be pleased. Isn't this the power of the church? Jesus Christ is the sun, and the church is like the moon, receiving the light of the sun and reflecting it on this dark earth. That is why the earth rotates in the opposite direction to the sun, and the moon rotates in the same direction as the sun. This is also a natural revelation provided from God. Now we must turn in the same direction as the Lord, the Son of Righteousness, and preach the gospel of Christ to save even one more person. Otherwise, those who are not born again will not be able to be raptured, and they will fall into tribulation, be killed, and receive a tremendous curse. Now is the time. Verification devices are already embedded within United States passport books. Seeing this, we Christians should wake up to pray and preach to save even one more person. Let us bow our heads in prayer this time. We will have another moment to repent before the Lord. The Lord is pleased when we examine ourselves once more whether we are preaching the gospel at this time or we are following the lusts of the flesh. Is there anyone who has not been saved living in their 70s or 80s that is currently listening in right now? Nothing can save you and nothing can give you eternal life. Only our Lord Jesus Christ can give you eternal life. If you pray together at this time, eternal life will come into you when you open your heart and receive Jesus Christ As if you breathe in the air, the eternal spirit, the power of life will enter you and give life to your dead spirit. Save your soul, and your body will be saved when the Lord comes. You will receive such blessing as we pray together at this time. God, I am a sinner. All my life I have sinned and lived in sin. But I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins, blotted out all sins, and rose from the dead on the third day. As I receive Jesus Christ at this time, please come into me and regenerate my spirit so that I may see the kingdom of God. And let the Holy Spirit now guide me to the truth so that I can live on this earth in truth. And live with you in the eternal kingdom of heaven. I thank you and pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening in. We'll see you next week.